What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of StillCurtain.com. And joining me, as always, is Shane Kubis. Shane and I took a little break for the holidays. We are back at it covering Steelers football, so make sure you stay with us here. It's going to be a fun show. We're talking about the recent Kenny Pickett uh, denial rumors and what Pickett had to say about that, how that all got started. Uh, we're going to talk about rolling with Mason Rudolph as the Steelers go. Uh, Mason Rudolph has come along here these last two games. Who would have thought we're going to talk about that? We're going to break down the Steelers versus Ravens week 18 matchup. Uh, and we're, Shane and I will also will sign off today uh, by giving our predictions on whether or not uh, the things line up for the Steelers to enter the postseason this year. It's going to be a really, really interesting uh, week 18 around the NFL. And even if the Steelers win, there are two other games that you must watch uh, that have direct implications on their play playoff chances here on Sunday. The Steelers obviously play on Saturday. So Shane, let's get down to it. Uh, we'll start with the Steelers news and we'll rehash this last game here. Mason Rudolph's second game since 2021. He goes to uh, Cincinnati, wins 34 to 11. 11. Blowout, yeah, I think it was 11. Blowout game. Uh, got fans a little bit excited. And then he repeats by putting up another 30 banger on the road in Seattle. The first time the Steelers have won in Seattle since 1983 and Rudolph gets the job done uh, with a 30 point game of offense could have been 37 points had Najee not selflessly slid at the two yard line there and kind of just and put the game on ice uh, a quality performance. I mean, I, it, it's, it's hard to be upset uh, with the results that, that Rudolph has yielded so far. Uh, let's talk about winners and losers from this game. Let's we'll start the winner side of things. Go ahead, Shane. I mean, I think you have to start with the running backs, right? I mean, they oh, just yeah. dominated the game, and the line did a really good job. But even the even the line doing a good job, like a lot of their yards are still after contact. I mean, there's multiple, you know, as Kyle Brandt likes to say, his angry runs. He gave them kind of the joint trophy from this past week. They were just hurting these defenders, especially mm -hmm. once they got onto the edge like a couple times. Those defensive backs just could not handle those two at all. And I think what you're seeing with this offense, and I've seen a couple of people talk about it over the last few weeks, this is what the offense was supposed to be. Like this was the ideal of what they expected the offense to look like mm -hmm. coming into the year. This was the grand plan of a dual running back system that you could take advantage of these guys' power and explosiveness in Warren's case. You could take advantage of the passing game whenever you have the opportunity to with big plays like George Pickens has been getting the past two weeks. Like this is what the offense ideally was supposed to be. And it sucks we're seeing it so late because it might be too late. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But and it sucks that Mason had to come in to get some of the passing game going, even though we'll talk more about that also later. 
but those two especially are the big winners from that game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they they deserve the praise for that. My goodness, when when Najee is able to get ahead of a steam, he can bulldoze through you, and he yeah. can get a lot of yards after contact. I mean, both of these guys are top in in the league in terms of yards uh, after contact per touch, and so it's what you want to see. It's what you like to see. Now we're actually finally seeing it, Shane yield the results that we want in terms of yes. points on the board. Like we, we, we had a successful run game previously, but oh, it wasn't translating to points. And even if you go look at like this last six or seven games of last season, the running game really came along against that schedule uh, in 2022 down the stretch, but we weren't scoring points still. And I think now is finally the difference is now it's, it's the, they're meeting together where the running game is super effective. It's aiding the offense. And they're finding ways to score in the red zone. I mean, Najee and Moore combined to punch in what three scores in this game, and so uh, it's it's getting to where it needs to be. It's finally coming back on track. And surprisingly, Shane, after all this and the nightmare that we saw, like this first half of the season, and just the lows, like the lows were so ugly. The Steelers have climbed back up a little bit here. They're now 11th in total DVOA. They're they're sixth in defensive DVOA. I mean, they're at least a decent team. I think that we would have to say at this point. Now the question becomes what we're going to talk about later is can they maintain this? Is this a fluky thing? It's only a two game sample size from Rudolph in this year. And we have to go back two years before uh, to previously even see an example of Rudolph on the field. And so is this a different Rudolph? Are we getting much of the same? Has he not been figured out yet? We're going to talk about all those things. Uh, I also want to point out George Pickens, obviously second straight game, well over a hundred yards. Yeah. Uh, he had 131 on seven receptions in this one. He can be a bona fide number one receiver. And it is a little bit ironic because the last time we were here, Shane, right, right before uh, we took the week off for Christmas, we were talking about whether or not the Steelers should bench him for disciplinary disciplinary action. Now, again, it was never about Pickens, the, the, the talent. We know no. how talented he is. No, it was never about that. It was about whether or not to make a statement. And I guess this is one way to make a statement by – uh, coming up, well, I don't know, two, 364 yards or something of the, of the tune of that over yeah, these past two games, is yeah. it's remarkable. And so you can definitely see those number one receiver traits. My goodness, that that diving reception that he had when, when Rudolph stood tough there. And so uh, definitely a winner for him. And obviously Mason Rudolph. Anybody else you want to add to the winner's list? Uh, I mean, the defense had their iffy moments. Like the pass rush really wasn't getting home most of the game. But a lot of that was because if you go back, like if you want to see an example of when Steelers fans complained about holding on their pass rushers, this was a game to put in the record books for the amount of holds I saw that did not get called. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty rough. So, I mean, the, the defense had their moments, but for the most part, this offense has really been the story the last couple of games, especially. So, Yeah, and I, for the loser side of things, Shane, I want to point to the linebackers in the secondary. I think yep. this is going to be – if the Steelers do get into the playoffs – this will be their Achilles heel. They're yeah. missing. I mean, I, I didn't know we'd get in a situation like this to begin with, but I would actually feel somewhat comfortable at this point if the Steelers only had Minka healthy and ready to play. If they had a lit, if they had uh, Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander, that would certainly solidify things a little bit better. There are just too many people you can pick on right now, and that's the problem. You saw how effortlessly Geno still moved the ball, uh, average eight point eight yards an attempt. It was too easy for them. And I know that they have got a good offense. I know they got three good receivers in Seattle, but you can't make it that easy on them. The Steelers were fortunate to get another 30-point game, which I would not have predicted would happen in back-to-back weeks, even though the Seahawks don't have the best defense, uh, just a combination of factors. But I think that uh, the, the offense, they can't s- sustain this, right? You can't average 
30 points a game throughout an entire playoff run, you have to find a way to play defense. And that's, what's a little bit concerning. Yeah. Unfortunately at this point, the defense is the bigger concern because the offense mm-hmm. has found some sort of rhythm, but it just, they don't have the horses on defense. Like that's really what it comes down to. Like the team is still effective defensively over the past few weeks, like even with the injuries, but at some point, I mean, especially if we match up with say Miami, let's say we make it the playoffs. We match up with Miami. That is not going yeah. to go well. I'm sorry. I know they're struggling mm-hmm. a little bit right now. I know the two is, hasn't been quite as sharp as he was earlier in the year. There's just going to be too much open space for them if, if they play us. Like oh, yeah. just, yeah. They don't have the guys to run with them. You know, Minka coming back, that would help or whatever. But, like, still, he can only help so much against, you know, four guys who are all probably faster than everybody on the defense except for him and maybe Joey. It's just – it's too much, mm-hmm. right? So you, you hope that – if they can get into the playoffs that some guys are healthy enough to play and get back, but it's going to be a tough road regardless. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be challenging. So we'll talk about that and give our predictions. Uh, questions you want to get to Shane? Yeah, let's get a couple of chats here actually. So uh, our old friend, uh, our Barley 18 is always in here. Uh, a couple of questions, a couple of chats for us here. Uh, curious what you guys believe, what Kenny's trade value would be. I see him being a cancer mostly because of the base, but a little because of his attitude, but mainly the base booing and chanting. Uh, when something goes wrong, tough mm-hmm. on anyone else, a quarterback when he's there. Uh, so as far as trade value, I have yeah. no idea. Um, I'm not really sure about that. The cancer thing, I don't think Kenny has any attitude issues. We're going to talk about the rumors and stuff like that in a little bit, but that's kind of a preview mm-hmm. to what I think about it. Um, I don't think he's getting traded or anything like that, regardless of what happens. I think that 2024 is going to be mm-hmm. you know something where he's still on the team in some capacity. Um, this is a good one too. Also, Flack and Rudolph both igniting teams. Do you think teams will start to value uh, to value pocket passers again? I don't get the appeal of losing arm talent for a little bit of extra athletic ability. So, in general, no. I think pocket passers, pure pocket passers, have their place in the NFL still, but they are it's, it's just a limiting factor at this point. Like offensive line play around the league is not good enough consistently to I don't think hold pocket mm-hmm. passers to the same standard they used to be held to in terms of value. Um, also, a lot of this is like Flacco's 38, and he's a veteran, and he's playing in an offense that's being called very well. This is not something that's sustainable. And I think the same thing with Mason to a certain uh, extent is also not really sustainable. So in general, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going away from the athletic. They're still the best quarterbacks in the league, the most athletic guys. And Grant, you have to be able to throw still, of course, but it's going to take a combination of both if you want to be at the top of the quarterbacks league. So. I do think that the, the true like statuesque pocket passer is a bit of a dying breed. I think yeah. Kirk Cousins is really like the last one outside of Flacco right now, unless you're counting Rudolph as well. But in terms of like franchise quarterbacks, it's like Flack or, or, or Cousins. And you go back a little bit before that, it was Matt Ryan. It's like they are kind of fizzling out, it seems. And I think it's yeah. because you are getting these guys. It, it, it tends to be in recent years that the top college quarterback prospects also have mobility because these guys that are athletes are now playing the quarterback position. So I think it has changed a little bit that way. And you're right. I think if we still, we still look from top to bottom, like the best quarterbacks in the league, you have that extra trait. You have that niche where you can get outside the pocket. You can extend the play. You can do all those things. I do think that if you don't have that ability, it's kind of like a third of your game that is missing in today's NFL. When guys are fast, they can get quick pressure on you. You've got to be able to not just step up, but sometimes get out. And so uh, there, there's an argument to be made there, and I get that. Uh, going back to the Kenny thing, trade value falls, and it falls fast. I mean, I think the perfect example of this is look at Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. The 49ers gave up a total of three first-round picks to get that guy, and they go and ship him two years later for a fifth to the Dallas Cowboys, I believe it was. And so 
the 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 markets uh completely falls off for these guys if they don't prove themselves um the the question i think like if you look at zach wilson right now zach wilson's worth nothing like nobody's gonna trade for him because he's got the contract of a second overall pick and he hasn't been good and so kenny is a little bit more of a question mark still if the Steelers were to hypothetically trade him you'd get more than you'd get for zach wilson i think you'd get more than you'd get for trey lance uh, I don't know how much more. I think it becomes the question, can you get a day two pick? Would somebody be willing to exchange a third round pick like a New Orleans or whatever you want to say to throw him in a situation where he could be somebody's backup for a year or compete to start uh, with somebody else? And so that's probably not the best example of competing for a starting spot. But uh, I, I think that you're probably honestly at this point going into year three, going to be a 26-year-old quarterback. It only has six passing touchdowns this season. I think you're probably looking like at best a third round pick is like what you can do yeah. for Pickett because it depreciates. It's it's like buying a new car. You take it off the lot. And the more you use it, the less it's worth uh, unless it becomes mint like uh, right. some of these quarterbacks here. But right. I guess that's probably the 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 weirdest example I could give. But um, I think that's kind of how I see it. All right. Uh, let's move on for now. And we'll get to some of these other questions here in just a bit. Let's keep talking about the news here. Mika Fitzpatrick, Landon Roberts, they did not practice to begin the week. A little bit concerning. I have not heard, I, I didn't hear Tomlin addresses. I, I didn't watch all of his press conference. I try to catch the highlights of that while I'm doing other football stuff. So I, I knew the knee injury was pretty serious to Mika, and I don't know what the outlook is on either one of these guys. Have you heard an update on either of them, Shane? Not an update today, at least. I think that it, it to me it seems like Minka is probably done until at least the playoffs if we were to make it. Mm -hmm. Even then, I don't know if he'd be ready for round one because we'd obviously be playing in the wild card. I'm a little surprised that he hasn't gone on IR or didn't go on IR if he's going to miss this many games in a row just because mm -hmm. he's been on IR once. They could still put him on again and take him off. You can do it twice a year and now with the rules. So I, I don't know. With And then Roberts, like, he's been banged up all year, it feels like, and he's mm -hmm. played through a lot of it. But this must just not be ready for him. I just don't think he's ready to play right now. Did, did Minka officially go on IR before? Because it was either Minka or, or Fryermuth who didn't go on IR but missed an IR amount of time. And then they played anyway. Oh no, you're right. No, Minka didn't. I end think up it was on Minka. IR. I think you're right. He, admit, think... he could have been on IR right, they but he there didn't. to begin with. He didn't. Pat so, was and on maybe it. maybe the situation now, Shane, is they're just holding out hope. Like it's just well, because now they now out. they now they have to leave him off. You have IR to. Like if you put him on IR now, yet. they're done. And yeah, so done. exactly. So I think it, it probably is one of those scenarios. I know that Roberts has a pec injury. I don't know the severity of it, but it's like TJ Watt, you're not coming back. This no, I mean, it, I think he'd be on IR if it was if it was a pec injury. I would, like that. I would think so too. So that would that would just be a glowing I think it's strain, a not a tear is the difference, yeah. I think. Yeah, so. so we'll see. Keep an eye on the injury report, though, because it is worth noting these guys miss practice to begin the week. Yeah. Uh, if they miss again uh, tomorrow or today, tomorrow, um, they're going to be – they're done. And, and, and you remember, everything has moved up a day because the Steelers play on Saturday yes. this yes. week. It's why we have an injury report. We typically don't have one by the time we do this show. Uh, I want to talk about Nick Herbig for a second here, Shane, because two snaps. It doesn't really matter if you put the guy on the field for a handful of snaps a game. It seems like he's going to make a play. I mean, gets his third sack. He has 27 tackles, three sacks, five TFLs, and a pair of forced fumbles despite playing like three games worth of sample size so far this season, 178 snaps. I mean, that's, that's like two TJ Watt games. So it's, it, uh, he needs to play more. I mean, quite frankly, I, I think that the Steelers would greatly benefit from having a heavy rotation on the edge. And I think that Herbig has showed that he can handle that. Like the guy is splashy when he comes in. 
Uh, you're preaching to the choir on that one, Tommy. You know how I feel about Nick Herbig. Uh, you know how I feel about the Wisconsin boys in general. I think they both need to play more, even though Benton has a legitimate role on the team. Um, yeah. This is just what happens, right? They they, uh, they rely on their edge rush so much, and they, they believe in the two guys they have starting for a good reason so much. But again, you look across the league, most edge rushers don't play 98% of the snaps mm. like TJ does most of the time or Alex Highsmith play. Like it just doesn't happen because it's so important. I think part of the reason why, like you look at some advanced metrics and people are like, oh, you know, TJ is not really that, you know, high in advanced metrics. Like he plays so many more snaps. Like he's not going to be as efficient as some of the other guys because he just plays too much. I really think that's part of it. Like mm-hmm. you, you see when he oh, wins, yeah. he wins as well as just about anybody does when he wins. It's just that he doesn't win as often because a lot of the time, I honestly think as, as good of an athlete as he is and as probably conditioned as he is, you get tired playing, you know, six, mm-hmm. 60 snaps a game as an edge rusher. Cause especially what he does where he's asked to drop the coverage sometimes he has to play the run really hard. Like it's just too much for anybody. And I think that, you know, obviously his counting stats get boosted because he plays so much, but also his efficiency isn't quite as high, right? Like, there's a trade-off with that. And I think obviously that trade-off has worked for them defensively for a long time. But you have somebody now who can step in for TJ and do a lot of the speed, like bursty stuff that he does off the edge and get home quickly. And we saw it in the Seattle game, right? It's how he got the forced fumble on Smith. Like he does need to play more. And I think you're, you know, it's, at this point, it's it's really fair to ask, you know, what is the reason that he isn't playing? Yeah, I understand why Mike Tomlin and Tara Lawson do what they do when it comes to TJ, because he is that guy. He's been that guy mm-hmm. since he came here, basically. He's he is the most valuable chip on this team. But at the same time, I just wish that they would realize if you limit his snaps a little bit more, he's going to be fresher on a per play basis. And he came up so close like in, in Seattle, in just this past game, like so close on so many of these reps. It makes you wonder if he just had a little bit more gas in there mm-hmm. and didn't have just a two snap break, like the entire game, <laughs> would he be able to maybe finish on a couple of those plays? And so uh, we're going to talk about TJ. Uh, actually, let's talk about him right now. because We got him on yeah, the agenda. Watt made a little bit of history uh, yesterday, became the first player in Pittsburgh Steelers history since it was re- uh, awarded in, in 1969 to win the Steelers team MVP four times he's the first four-time winner he was previously tied at, at with only antonio brown as the only three-time winner what a list of the award list of and it makes you wonder and, and in 2022 shane what went on ir missed half the season with the peck tear mm-hmm. maybe he would have been it five times straight like it just goes to show you how special this guy is like antonio brown borderline hall of fame receiver would have been in the hall of fame had he not just completely just the wheels just derailed his career i, I actually think somehow he will so, actually get in he, he might i mean he, he is yeah. that good there's no yeah. question that the just throw that there. Don't, don't care if he gets in or not but i think he will yeah I, I understand that and there's definitely an argument to be made but it just goes to show you like the fact that Watt is higher than anybody roethlisberger had zero Roethlisberger did not have one. And so that might've been maybe the personality thing. I don't know. It's a team voted award, but I think the team shows you how good of a leader Watt is, how much they're in his corner and they know how good he is and and how their success relies on him. And so uh, it it is worth mentioning that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about that yet. And maybe it's kind of of fresh still, but the fact that he is the first four-time recipient of this on top of being the defensive player of the year and probably going to get his fourth first team all pro. And so, 
a lot going for him, just building on his Hall of Fame resume. And I don't know if the, the AP voters will consider this or not, but I don't think it really matters, honestly. He's, no. he's going to be there. So. No, I, I think the MVP, th- it's it's cool, obviously. I think it's important to him just because the team is voting for it. Like, you know, he can get upset about not being defensive player of the year. He can get upset about this or that. Like, it can bother him. But having his teammates in his corner, obviously, is really important to him, I'm sure. So. Yeah, it is, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's not his last either. I know he's 30 years oh, old yeah. at this point, but if he continues to play even at 80 90% of the level that he's playing at now for another season or two, could have more, and then that will be a record that will be really hard to chase Yeah, uh, yeah. To, to be able to do it as many times as he's done, which is, again, more than any player in Steelers history. All right, if you uh, – let's see. Uh, the Steel Curtain podcast is running a deposit match promotion up to $100 for any new sleeper daily fantasy user, make sure you use the promo code FANSIDED2 when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on your screen to see if you qualify. All right, Shane, any questions you want to get to before we jump into uh, our Yeah, I do want to jump into a few here one second. But before I do that, I did want to bring up, do we want to talk about the fact that Brad Allen's crew is going to, t- going to have the game? I skipped it. Yeah, Brad, let, let's talk about it. Real, real talk quick, about we need to talk about this. Um, uh, because this is something, <laughs> if you if you did not catch the Steeler, or excuse me, the Cowboys-Lions game, you missed the most controversial call yeah. of, that you will see this year, maybe one of the most of the decade. The Lions were celebrating a win after the two-point conversion. Obviously, Taylor Decker, he goes and catches that pass, typically their left tackle. And they got the wrong person as their eligible offensive lineman on that play. Uh, they they said it was Dan Skipper, number 70 on the Lions, and it was not just loads of controversy because the game was over. It's like 45 seconds after the fact that they finally threw this flag and the Lions were celebrating a win and they go and reverse the call and Cowboys win the game because there were seconds left in the fourth quarter. And so uh, Brad Allen's crew, according to Adam Schefter, has already been disciplined by the league. They will not officiate uh, a playoff game is what the report is. Somehow they're allowed to officiate this all all important game between the Steelers and Ravens here in week 18. So let's hope if, if Allen's crew does get something wrong, it goes in the favor of the Steelers this week. Right. So I have three things very quickly to say about this whole thing, and then we can move on to our next the top. Well, I'll, I'll grab a couple mm-hmm. of questions first. But one, no tackle eligible plays, Steelers, please. No, do not try to do any weird <laughs> stuff this week because they will screw it up. Two, the fact that the league disciplined them but then doubled down by sending a video of the situation explaining what how teams should do that is not only is it egregious, it is a slap in the face to everyone with a brain mm-hmm. who watches the sport. You yeah. cannot tell me that the Lions pre-determining, like, like, hey, we might run this play, telling them about it pregame, telling them exactly what's going to happen, and then all they tried to do is, even though they're going to announce it anyway, like they just want to do a little mm-hmm. bit of like sneakiness, they they send a couple linemen over that way, and they still have to announce who's going to be the eligible player anyway. To not get that right, to not make sure that you know for sure who is the eligible player, who actually said it to you. Because again, Dan Skipper said he did not say anything to the ref at any point. They assumed mm-hmm. because he's been the eligible player before, I think either in that game or just in the past, that he was, did not make sure that he actually was it is egregious that that happened. Like it, it is truly sad. And, oh, yeah. the, and the last thing, and this is something that's really important for people to think about. The, there's a lot of people who believe the NFL is fixed, that it is rigged. Okay. There's a lot of people who legitimately believe that. Now, of course, I have always said that how in the world could you actually reliably fix a sport in which players have to do what they do on a football field? You cannot just rig a spectacular catch in the end zone by like, you can't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But little things like this that could predetermine or essentially determine a game, it doesn't exactly make that go away if you're the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. It does not make that topic go away. You might have wanted to get ahead of this and be like, yeah, listen, this crew, done for the year. We can't have this. This was a huge mistake. Instead, yeah, essentially doing both sides of disciplining them, but then also being like, oh, but they were right, though, sort of. Mm-hmm. Really, really bad look for the league. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, they should have been done for the year. I mean, if, if DeMonte KZ gets a su- suspended for the year <laughs> on a bang-bang play, yeah. suspend this officiating crew that had the most egregious call that you will see all year. Now, I will go and say uh, – th- the Cowboys getting that win. I mean, there was the tripping call. Obviously, it was a terrible yes, call by Allen's crew again yeah. that set the lines up in that position in the first place. Right. Both were horrible. The second one was was so bad. And like you said, such a bad look for the league where if you want to get a bigger fan base, it's it's not the right way. It's not the right way to go about that because no. uh, it, it just, again, it looks very fishy at the end of the game. Uh, anyway, that's the crew that the Steelers get this yeah. week. So yeah. we'll we'll keep an eye on that because I'm sure that's going to come into a, a big storyline at some point. Some call some will happen. Call, like, even if it, yeah. if it's otherwise, like if it was just like a, a random crew, maybe it wouldn't be as controversial. But there'll be no. something. There'll be something. They better they better be ready to go. I'll say that. I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, Absolutely. The one, yeah, the one question I did want to get to really two. One is real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, is K, KZ able to turn if we make the playoffs? I believe so. Yes, I think his suspension would be lifted yeah. at that point, if I remember. And then uh, what concerns here from Christopher here? Uh, what concerns do you have that the Steelers keep this high-scoring offense up this week and end up hiring from within at OC? That is a very good uh, <laughs> point and a very good question. Um, mm-hmm. I would say I'm a medium level of concern that they might run it back mm-hmm. with these two in some form or fashion. Um, now, the problem with that, obviously, is one, this is not the way. Like they're still running now. Granted, if they have their own ideas to implement, and if they just can't do it right now because obviously in midseason, if they kind of not scrap it, but like actually create a playbook of their own that is more modern, then I would be willing to at least have that conversation with them if I'm the owner and if I'm Tomlin. But realistically, I think we all know that the best course of action would be to to find an entirely new OC next year. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, I would say that I'm a high level of concern, Shane, because yeah, of history. I, I, I get it. Yeah, I get that. It, it, under <laughs> Mike Tomlin, he likes – yeah, yeah. I mean, he likes to hire from within. This is what yeah. we've seen. We went from Randy Fickner to Matt Canada uh, to Sullivan and Eddie Faulkner <sighs> right now as the, right. the dual OC. And I just – yes, the results are working now. Is a three-game sample size or maybe a four-game sample size you get in the playoffs, will that be big enough to say, yeah, let's run it back with what we have? Let's use Matt Canada's playbook, and we'll just tweak it a little bit, and we'll hire another guy from within who worked with Matt Canada. I don't like the thought process behind that. I think that it's very, very possible that if you if you naively go in that way, you're going to be sorely disappointed next year when teams start to kind of figure things out a little bit against you. And so I, I agree with you. I think that the plan should be you're going to thoroughly vet these OC uh, uh, coordinator prospects in early in the off season, get that taken care of and make that priority number one, because it really should be. And so, and again, nothing against the, the game plan that has been called so far. I think it's no, yeah, yeah. a great job calling those plays and Faulkner as well uh, with that game plan. But 
I, I just really, really worry based on previous results from hiring within Shane. I think that all fans have a right to be worried whether this is sustainable or not. Maybe once they figure out Mason a little bit uh, or whoever ends up being in that position, uh, are they going to really just plummet back down to earth? And then you've got the problem for a whole nother year. And so I think they need yeah. to do their due diligence uh, in the hiring process this off season. All right, let's get into our big discussion topic for today. Yeah. And that is Kenny Pickett has just taken the internet by storm and some very conflicting things here. Shane, I'm interested to get your thoughts mm -hmm. and think and ask you how you think things all transpired here. Kenny Pickett, if you haven't heard, uh, there were, there were rumors initially started, uh, by Mark, a Mark Madden report. Okay. So that's how the whole thing started. He said that, uh, Kenny Pickett refused essentially to be the number two quarterback in Seattle because I don't know if it was degrading, whatever. And then he didn't end up dressing at all. So, it footnote here Pickett was uh was physically cleared to play in that game now he claims that the medical staff uh and the training staff didn't think that he was able to go i mean it's it's just a, it's an odd situation shane because you think in one hand yes you want to take pickett's word and take take Pickett at his word uh in this situation that he just wasn't good enough wasn't healthy enough to do this at the same time the timeline is a little bit weird here too because uh, once they announced that, like they announced later um, after Pickett or after Rudolph was starting a couple hours later, I think it was, they announced that Pickett was questionable for the game. And so it's it, the whole thing is just a little bit bizarre, honestly. And so it, you think that, and this is the reasoning, this is the example uh, that I've seen a lot of people do this. I actually wrote an article on some of the, some of the bigger Steelers names on Twitter that aren't afraid to voice their opinion out there. And I appreciate that. Uh, kind of like me, <laughs> it, the, the people who aren't afraid to voice their opinion, they said basically that um, if Pickett hypothetically was healthy enough to play, why is he not the starter? And I think it makes kind of sense if you think about it that way, or was it, all right, you're only playing an emergency situation or you're not good enough at all. So how, what do you take away from this, Shannon? The whole thing is wild. And, and if I was confusing there, I apologize. Uh, you can go look it up. I, I've got the whole thing detailed mm -hmm. on Still Curtain and all of Pickett's remarks. So go check that out on stillcurtain.com. But what do you think uh, of Pickett's remarks uh, in rebuttal to that uh, accusation that he refused to be the QB2 last week and that he chose not to dress? So the first thing I want to say is when I saw this report initially and I saw it was Mark Madden, I pretty much ignored it at first because whenever mm -hmm. if Mark Madden told me that the earth was round, I might have to double check. So that's just <laughs> all I'll say about that. Um, but in general, I think that this story makes no sense to me because one, I don't see a situation where Kenny would do that. Like, I, it just doesn't make sense for him professionally. It doesn't make sense for him as a person, like what we've come to see with him. I don't, it just doesn't make sense, right? This is not a guy that I think would shy away from this situation. He hasn't this week, right? He's going to be the backup now that he's you know, fully cleared and going to get reps and everything. And would I have liked to see him if he actually was cleared? Would I have rather him been the backup than Mitch? Sure. I don't think the reason why he was was because he told them I'm not doing it. I just don't believe that. Like there's no there's no actual evidence to suggest he he did that. Things are a little bit weird about the whole being the emergency third, but then not and then not being active at all. Like that is weird. But again, this is an injury that if he was going to come back, it was probably it was supposed to be this week. Like this is when he was supposed to come back timeline wise. So maybe he truly yeah. like he was cleared physically, maybe, but wasn't actually a hundred percent. And they figured, you know, why are we going to have him even have the chance to go in if he could end up getting injured again? If he has to come in and play for Mason, if he gets hurt or something, 
that might be what ultimately it was. I don't really know the reasoning behind him ultimately being active even or inactive, even if he was technically cleared. But the fact that he's going to be the backup this week, I don't see him saying last week I refuse to be the backup, and then this week saying that he he'll be the backup. Like there'd be no reason to reverse course at that point. You got to stick with it. Like if you're saying, hey, I'm not the backup mm-hmm. quarterback. If you want me to be the backup, then you can then you can let Mitch play, and I'll I'll just be on the bench. Like what well, you can do is do that. Like that's what he should do if he wanted to go this route. But the fact that it's it would have to be both. I just don't buy that. Yeah. And now it becomes really interesting, Shane, because just like you said, the timeline, he should be back by now. He should be able to play. So I, th- I think that's, uh, it, I've got this pulled up right here too. Uh, if you missed that, I'll, I'll, I'll give you most of what he said real quick. Kenny said, I saw reports out there that felt that I felt like we're attacking my character and how I am mm-hmm. as a person. I don't want to get into the player standpoint of it. There's no talk of me. Be, there was no talk of me being a backup quarterback this week in terms of being a number two. Uh, if I was healthy enough to play, the trainers and coaches felt like I was good enough to play. I was going to start and play. Uh, and then he later said, uh, this week, I am now the number two. I feel good four weeks out of the surgery to dress and to be the two. So uh, so I will be the two and do what I have to do to get ready for Baltimore. So my question, Shane, is if you're healthy enough to be the number two, did he get a demotion? I think this is complicated. So I think the the problem I have with this, we're going to talk about this more in the next two parts of this conversation, but I think Kenny played the best overall game of his career against the Bengals the week before he got hurt with the first week without Canada. And I think he started off the game well against the Cardinals and then he gets his injury to his ankle. So I think to say that he got demoted because of his, his play I think the answer to that is no. I think he showed what you wanted to see from him coming off the Canada list experience. Mm-hmm. But what Mason has done over the past two weeks and the fact that he repeated it after what he did against the Bengals as well, and the fact that points have come with it, I think the coaching staff looks at the situation and they understand that, yes, Kenny is now healthy. He's been banged up a lot this year. And honestly, Mason is playing too well right now, I think. Even though it's not spectacular, we'll talk about that too. I think that the team is winning with him. They're responding to him. The offense is working. They have a chance to make the playoffs. And as much as Kenny's development is still very important, I think, to them, and I think that they're not done with him by any means, I think that because of the mentality of this organization, they have to take their best shot at winning that 10th game, getting into the playoffs. And right now they think that Mason gives them the best chance to do that. And I think overall they're correct about that. So for him to be demoted, I think that that's – technically ultimately what happened but i think it's more complicated mm-hmm. than him just being benched necessarily yeah i agree with everything you just said i think that if if rudolph would have came out uh in seattle and he only puts up a 16 point game with 340 yards or whatever, yeah i think that they put Pickett back in there uh, that that's my take on it i think that he probably is healthy enough at least to, to play and start a, a, a crucial week 18 a do or die game that uh, against the baltimore ravens you have to win it uh, to give yourself a chance to get into the playoffs. And so, but it is, again, it's hard for them to go back with the, the results that Mason Rudolph has yielded so far. So I'll ask you, Shane, who should be the Steelers quarterback this week? Are the Steelers making the right choice by leaving Rudolph in the lineup? I think so, because what Mason has done the past two weeks and what's so important about it is this offense only really works with a quarterback that is willing to stand in the pocket and throw down the field. Kenny has not been able to do that in his career so far. He's been able to throw down the field, but a lot of it is mm-hmm. coming out of the pocket, setting his feet, throwing it. Like he, 
He's not, he has to extend plays. He feels like he has to extend plays. His pocket awareness isn't there right now. And with the way the pass rush has been getting to our offensive line a lot of the time, he, he spins into pressure too much. Let's just be honest about mm-hmm. it. That's his one that if there's one fatal flaw to his game that I, that needs to be fixed if he wants to be a quarterback that is not just an average quarterback at best, it's that. He cannot force pressure into himself because the line will do it enough for him. He he like he, he needs to let them yeah. do their thing, stay in there and try to make a play when the play is there. And that's what Mason has done. A lot of his downfield throws, like he's standing in the pocket, just letting things develop. And if he gets sacked, he gets sacked. If he doesn't, then he gets to pull the ball down the field. Like we saw the Pickens play last mm. week where he had to extend for the ball, but like it was a good yeah. place to throw and he stood in the pocket and let it fly down the field. Like that's the stuff mm. that Kenny can learn from, hopefully, and that I'm hoping he is learning from watching Mason run this offense. But again, like in terms of actual like success rate on plays and in terms of just how well they're playing, there isn't a huge difference on the field to me between what they did, what, what Kenny did against the Bengals, what Mason did. There was more points because he got more explosives because, mm-hmm. you know, George was just having a monster game. But the right now the reason Mason should play is because he's shown that he can do those things that Kenny hasn't shown so far. Yeah, and I would have to agree with you there. I think it's too late in the process, too late in the season. There's too much on the line here to go back to the guy who just had ankle surgery when you are scoring 32 points a game over the last yeah, two games. And again, I know. Cincinnati, Seattle, they don't have the best defenses in the league. They might not get that again this week with Baltimore with their backups. But if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mentality is what Tomlin is rolling with. I do understand that. And you pointed to that George Pickens play, the 37-yard diving reception. That play by Rudolph to hang in the pocket and knowing that that's uh, Mason Cole's getting bull rushed right back into him and, and hang in there and deliver, deliver that pass, that is an NFL quarterback pass. That is what you have to do in those big moments of the game. And that one really helped put the game kind of on ice and, and, and put the the dagger to uh, the Seahawks there. And so I agree. I think it is the right call to stick with him at this point. Uh, and, and it will have lots of discussions about the quarterback position coming up all off season. So don't think that if the season ends after this week, that you shouldn't show up to this show because Jay and I are going to have a lot of fun things to talk about uh, draft stuff, all the, all the free agent stuff and what Steelers should do at the quarterback position, obviously. Uh, we're going to move on to our, our preview here in just a second. Anything else that you wanted to add, Shane? Uh, did you want to breach this subject about who the quarter? Who the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I almost for? skipped a, almost skipped yeah. a thought here. Who's going to be the starting quarter? This is the million-dollar question, isn't it? Who's yeah. going to be the starting quarterback for the Steelers in 2024? Is that person on the roster right now, Shane? I'll let you go first. So this is a fun one. I'm going to break it down to uh, the, th- the three most likely things, I think. I think mm-hmm. the most likely thing, is that Kenny Pickett is a starting quarterback in 2024, whether it's a competition with Rudolph or someone else or whatever it is, I think that they will allow him the chance to, to defend his, his starting title going into next year, because I don't think they're going to be willing to spend enough resources on an outside quarterback to really create a competition besides maybe bring Rudolph back. Right. Um, but I think the fact that the offense is probably going to be somewhat different, regardless of whether the offensive coordinators stay or if they bring someone in new, Kenny just has more upside as a playmaker, right? Like if you can get him to a mm-hmm. point where he's more comfortable in the pocket, which you're, again, you're hoping will happen. Maybe watching Mason helps that a little bit. Maybe just the soft season helps with that a little bit. I think he's going to get be given an opportunity to start. I think the second most likely thing is they bring in a bridge guy, whether that's Mason, whether that's, you know, another veteran, whatever it may be. And they beat Kenny out. Cause I think it will be a competition in that situation. They just straight up beat him out. And if that's the case, then you know what you have in Kenny at that point. If he gets beat out in a full competition by Mason Rudolph mm-hmm. and not just this two-game stint, 
then you probably don't have a starting quarterback, right? And you got to figure it out from there. And the least likely thing, but the thing I think I'd be most interested in at this point, um, is you bring an outside uh, addition in who is clearly the starter or has the potential to be one, you know, whether that's a draft pick or something else. I personally watched a quarterback who I need to actually do an in-depth watch on, but uh, watched the guy play Texas this past week, um, yesterday, actually, <laughs> two, uh, two days ago now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's the type of guy I would like for sure. Um, you bring in any yeah. sort of like McVay O'Connell disciple, just let him run that offense. You'll be all right, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think that it's still in my in my mind, my my head still tells me that Kenny is probably going to be given the nod. Yeah, it is. Th- this one is tough to figure out. Like, obviously, before I would have said, all right, there's a great chance Steelers are going to give Kenny a third year. And yeah. this, that's what they do. I mean, they, that they chance is definitely time. lower now, for sure. It's way lower now, I think, yes. because you saw that you just put in a guy who hasn't touched a football field for a meaningful NFL game in two years. And he comes into the lineup and he scored back-to-back games over over uh, 30 points. He's averaging like 430 yards of offense, something something to the tune of that over these past two games. And the Steelers are 2-0. and The play, everything has looked better. The, run, the, the running game, the offensive line, the receivers, everything has looked better as a result. And you've in some ways, kind of cruise to victory a little bit. And so, and you, and they played with the lead. And so very, very different feel from what we've had all, all these past two seasons, really with the combination of Kenny and Mitch. And so I understand it's not totally Kenny's fault. You get that coordinator change and had he not suffered the ankle injury, maybe, maybe he starts trending in that direction. Maybe they would have lost the Cardinals game and looked bad anyway. I don't know. So uh, it, it is something, I, I don't think the chance is as good anymore that Pickett is there. And what I'll be really intrigued by is, Okay, we got to consider that Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, they did not draft Kenny Pickett. That was a that was a Tomlin Colbert decision. How much say are they going to have in this? How much do are they have they been scouting this phenomenal 2024 quarterback class and saying, I could get a guy, even in the second or third round, I can get a guy who can come in here and really compete. This I love this quarterback class. And yeah, if you've been watching those college football playoffs, I, I think you would agree as well. Like what Michael Penix has been able to do and yeah JJ McCarthy he's, he's could be in that range with a little trade up maybe yeah. there are some really really intriguing prospects this year not named uh Drake May and Caleb Williams so there are options and so if they decide to go that route would they consider trading Pickett would it be worth bringing Pickett back on this team if they decide to go that route I don't know if they will I, I think it's it's kind of a long shot still just knowing how Tomlin does business but I think all options are on the table who will be the starting QB in 2024? I really couldn't say. I don't think it's going to be Rudolph. As, as good as Rudolph is playing, I just yeah, think I, I don't see him winning an outright competition. Because I think he's going to have to win the whole offseason long, knowing that he's going to be yeah. the guy that's 28 years old, going into his seventh season. Like I just think there's a lot of factors working against him still. Uh, but I am very interested to see how this whole thing plays out. All right, if you are a fan of Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. All right, Shane, we've got oh, we got another 20 minutes here. Uh, we're going to do a Steelers-Ravens Week 18 preview, and we're also going give to our, give our predictions about the meaningful games that, that the Steelers must have go their way uh, this weekend in order for them to make the playoffs. So if, if you haven't heard, the Steelers need more than just a win by themselves. They are in yes. one of those situations that we find ourselves in every once in a while where you are relying on outside help in the final week of the season. And yeah. that is the case. The Steelers need a win against the Ravens this week, but they also need either a Jaguars loss to the Titans or a Bills loss to the Dolphins. Both are possible. 
we'll see uh, how things transpire here. There's also an obscure scenario where um, if the Dol- or the Jags and Bills both win, but the Texans-Colts game ends in a tie, then Steelers can get in that way. Uh, I wouldn't count on it. Ties don't happen very often. Yeah, there's also a weird scenario where we lose, but if the Texans and Colts don't tie, if Denver wins, and I think if uh, someone else wins too, I forget, or someone you're, loses. You're right. Yeah, there's, there's a weird. Yeah, there's a weird. I've got it right here. Is Steelers uh, tie and Colts and Texans do not tie in Jacksonville uh, in a Jacksonville loss. So there's five scenarios total. Yeah, there's the last a, there's, three are so obscure that yeah, they're like, so you're, you're not yeah. going to get it to happen. So probably, essentially, probably not. Yeah, it, what what you really need? Steelers win, Jags or Bills loss, and so it's really going to be interesting. If the Steelers do win this game against Baltimore on Saturday, mm-hmm. and they play that stinking Saturday game. I hate yep. Saturday games, but it's, it's all right. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to work on a Saturday evening and, and all that <laughs> but it's all right. I love my job. So right. If, if we we get past that game, the Steelers have uh, there's two games to watch, and, and you're obviously you're going to catch. The Jags and Titans at one o'clock, and then the eight twenty night game. If it comes down to that, if the Jags beat the Texans with Trevor Lawrence uh, coming back this week, everything is going to be on the line. All Steelers fans will be watching Sunday night football, Bills and Dolphins. You'd probably be watching it anyway because it should be a good game. But you would desperately need the Dolphins to pull out the win, a banged up Dolphins team, to be a desperate Bills team uh, in that scenario for the Steelers to get into the playoffs. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, I we'll we'll talk more about it, but it, it's I already can see so many ways it could be ridiculous. But yeah, all right, we'll get your prediction here in just a second, Shane. Let's uh, let's talk Steelers and Ravens odds. If you were wise enough, like I was not, mm-hmm. to get the Steelers when uh, just before the odds just did a dramatic shift here. Like, yeah. If you thought that the Ravens were going to win that game, they ended up blowing out. Oh, I'm annihilating the 16 or whatever it was. 56 to 19, I think. Yeah. 56 to 19. I am dyslexic here. Uh, (laughs) If you were to get them before that, they started running away with that and the odds makers shifted the odds there, you could have got the Steelers really good odds for this game, like 180 or something nice. As it stands right now, though, uh, with the scenario that we're approaching here, the Ravens have no incentive to play their starters this week unless the, the sheer fact, if you wanted to get extra reps with them, which I think the rest is more important at this point. So Ozmakers is expecting rest for the Ravens. Uh, it's why the Steelers are three and a half point road favorites this week. And now the betting line, you got to bet a lot more money to win your money back. So if you got them early, uh, kudos to you. Um, this The overrunner for this game, just 36 and a half points. That's very small. It'd, been, it'd be way under the total that we've seen each of these past two weeks with Mason Rudolph playing. Um, so what are your, your thoughts on the opening spread here and the, the over-under? I hate it because we know how this team plays whenever they should win, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I understand it's been different the past couple of weeks, right? Mason has put up a lot of points. Defense has done enough. Great. I don't know. Like, so <laughs> I know Tyler Huntley is a fake pro bowler, but, like, that whole thing a couple of years ago was funny when he made the pro bowl because everybody just either was injured or didn't want to do it. But, like mm-hmm. – I don't know. The the Ravens are really good, obviously, right? And obviously, we're not playing the Ravens. We're playing the backup Ravens. But I have a feeling they're going to coach everything they can out of those guys and try to get this game. And I don't think it should be a foregone conclusion that we win this game. I really don't because, obviously, yeah. Mason has played very well last two weeks. How much of that is going to continue, you don't know. I think a lot of the stuff he's done is repeatable, minus the explosive plays from Pickens. That was kind of him just making making it happen. 
Um, and I think he's played well you know, outside of those plays, but still has really done a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of production and points. But I don't like the three and a half points. I just I wish we were still like not favored because that's that's the only time this team seems to show up is mm-hmm. when they're when they're not favored. I, yeah. I I'd rather them be like just even if it was like a one point like road underdog like that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I've already played this scenario through in my head. <laughs> I, oh I my it. goodness, it's I, I can it. see it happening because the Ravens the, and and I mean they probably don't care. They're they're kind of the juggernaut of the NFL right now, but. The Steelers do play them pretty well. And, and so we do. We do. Up, yeah. And, and maybe they don't want to see that matchup. Maybe they just want to put us out of our misery because we're a rival team and they just did. John Harbaugh, Harbaugh right. doesn't want the Steelers in there. And so I can definitely see a scenario where everything, the stars align, Bills end up a, a day later, end up, end up winning uh, the, the Sunday night football game. And the Steelers didn't take care of business on their end. And that would have been all that needs to be done. So uh, it's just a little bit nerve wracking. Uh, as we said, Ravens benching uh, some players. This has not been confirmed yet, but they don't really have to tell us this information. Wouldn't it be no. awful of the Ravens to just throw Lamar Jackson out there for the first half or something? Yeah, just, yeah. Just, let just him get like him, a twenty-point lead. Just, first. just let him destroy because there's no shot. I know last time we're not. They're not dropping seven passes again. Like that's not going to happen. No, so, no. They're, they're I, thing, and the, the, I think that was a game. There was Joey Porter interception in the end zone. Yes. The Ravens could have put the game on ice. There's yeah, so Odell was just like, I'm not running my route. I guess it was so weird. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, for that game to play out again, I mean, it's very unlikely. But Ravens are, I mean, this team just killed the 49ers and the Dolphins in, in yeah, recent weeks. It's, yeah. The Steelers are not going to put up a shot, really. I, especially with how the Steelers have gotten uh, way more banged up, and the Ravens are healthier now. So it's, it's kind of flipped the script, and uh, I just don't see it going that way. If they chose to play their starters, now the, the, the saving part here for the Steelers is they probably won't, and so. Uh, the Ravens have nothing to play for. They've locked up the number one seed in the AFC. So if they want to just make sure uh, it, everything in their power to go in with good health, they don't have to. It still could be a contest for the Steelers regardless. It's, it's never – I mean, honestly, the Bengals game was easy, but it's really almost never easy for this team. We know mm-hmm. that. So, uh, Let's talk about uh, Mason Rudolph. Can he three-peat here, Shane? Can he do enough to – secure his third straight win i don't know is it going to be a 30 point game can he do enough i i how are your expectations without giving away your game prediction do you think that rudolph is going to look much the same like this guy's averaged 11 yards per attempt in his first two games playing since 2021 can he come anywhere close to the efficiency that we've seen these last two weeks? So i think the problem is and i kind of alluded to it a minute ago is like he could play the exact same and get drastically different results than what he's gotten the last two games yeah because again people can box course watch if they want they can look at the explosive plays mm-hmm. several of them have been more on his receivers than him doing anything out of the ordinary let's just be honest about that now yeah. he's getting the ball to them and that's really important because that was an issue for this team all year was just getting the ball to the guys like that is a skill within itself that i think he's done a very good job of but if he plays the exact same way he has the last two games he could have a 190 yard one touchdown one pick performance that, that's like it's and he doesn't have to play worse that's i think that's kind of the issue is like you're getting professional quarterback play from him and i talked about that pre-show was we were not getting professional quarterback play from mr risky once we got yeah. it from mason things all of a sudden changed and i think the players the players have to make plays for him still like that's that's been a big part of it. they are making plays for him that they weren't making for some of the other quarterbacks but again to mason's credit he was giving them the chance to make plays and that's kind of the biggest difference between the, the three quarterbacks so far this year yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that's that's a good way to put it here. Uh, 
I want to talk about TJ Watt here for a second. We talked about him earlier when the Steelers team MVP for the fourth time. Mm-hmm. Watt is still in the DPOI race. And I think he really could. I mean, he was so close to another sack or two in that Seattle game. I think that would have obviously had an impact on the odds uh, as of now, depending on where you look like at FanDuel uh, Sportsbook. He's plus 450 to win DPOI. It's third. Uh, Miles Garrett is the clear front runner right now, followed by Micah Parsons and then TJ Watt. Can he do an, is there any scenario that he can have a big enough game this week? The Steelers just trounce, uh, trounce the Ravens for the third straight win. Watt gets like a three sack performance or something gets a 20 sack season. Is there anything that he can do to get that award or has it already been decided? I don't think there's anything he could do because if he has a huge performance, they'll say it's because it's backups, right? They'll say mm-hmm. they played the backup Ravens. He could have a four sack, three force fumble, touchdown day. They played the Ravens who aren't trying to win, right? That's and that that's been decided for him. I think. I think the situation is what's ultimately decided for him. I think that and the thing I want to stress because we've we've gotten some flack from people before on this. I want to stress. I think TJ is the most impactful edge defender in the NFL because of the amount of things he does for the Steelers. It's not just his pass rushing. It's not just what you typically look at with pass rushers. It's all of the things. If we're just talking about purely getting after the quarterback as quickly as possible and impacting as many plays as a pass rusher, he has not been that guy this year compared to some other guys. And he's not going to be because he doesn't play in a way that allows him to do that. Garrett and Parsons are the best at getting quick pressure, quick sacks, quick every Like that's what they do, right? Mm-hmm. That is their main thing. And in a league where that is the most important thing to voters for defensive player of the year, we've seen it with the winners the last few years. And like sack totals is obviously huge. He's not blowing them out of the water so badly that they're going to ignore how often they're affecting plays with the pass rush, right? Yeah, I think Garrett's going to win it, and I understand that he's playing on the best defense statistically in the league. He's a big part of why they're the best statistically. He has enough stats and production to justify the award. It's going to be him. Unless Parsons has like a monster game himself and gets right above him at the end, I think it's Garrett's award to lose. And at the end of the day – in years past, I would have had a bigger argument for that not being the case. I think it's fair at this point. I don't think it's going to be a bad decision if that's what happens. Yep, I agree with you. I think it is going to be uh, it's going to be Miles Garrett. He's on the the he's the best player in the best defense. You see that win often. That's and he's a huge thing. Very good football player. At so, least the so. top. You want to be in the top eight or so defenses if you're probably going to win defense player. That's just how it yeah, is. That's and. Yeah, you typically need that. It's it's yeah. typically a requirement of, of getting the award. Um, side note here, Watt is at 17 sacks. He needs three to finish with a 20 sack mark for the second time. Uh, and he has a very strong chance still to lead the league in sacks this yes. year. So still currently up there at the top. Um, all right, Shane, we're going to give our predictions and we're going to sign off here for today's show. And then when we meet this time next week, we'll either see if the Steelers are in the playoffs or if they're not. And if they're not, uh, we'll have lots to talk about either way, yeah. so make sure you join us here. Yeah. Uh, playoff predictions. Shane, let's do it this way. We're going to start mm-hmm. with Jags-Titans, okay. Bills-Dolphins, right. and then Steelers-Ravens. Just give us a winner. You don't have to give us a score prediction. Just okay. give us a winner for those three games because those are the ones that matter this week. Okay, so so this is my so this is my thing. The Jags-Titans game. I don't know. I don't know if I could ex- fully articulate in any sort of like smart way why i believe this but i have much more faith in the titans beating the jaguars than really? i do the the dolphins beating the bills even though the Do- okay. dolphins are at home there's something about 
the Dolphins right now, and part of it is the fact they've just they got obliterated last week, right? Mm-hmm. Something about them feels off in a way that I think the Bills, despite their own kind of issues at times, they can exploit it. I, I feel like they're going to be able to to nab that division and that two seed by winning that game. I think that's what's going to happen. So I look at the Jags and Titans game. Mike Vrabel has owned the Jaguars as a Titans head coach. I believe he's like nine and three in the last 12 games against them or something like that, whatever it is. Like he has dominated them. And I don't know at this point if Trevor Lawrence is going to play in that game. I haven't checked the injury reports. Even if he does, he has had his issues with turnovers and and other things. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that's a guarantee that they win anyway. Something tells me that he's going to play spoiler and get the Jags in a really bad spot where they could miss the playoffs entirely, you know, without winning the division. That's my prediction for those games. I think the Jags will will ultimately lose that game. I think the Bills will win their game, lock themselves in the two seed. And I do think between the fact the Ravens starters are going to be out, and most likely at least you hope so, please please Harbaugh do not do this to me right now. As much as I like watching Lamar play, I don't want to see him play against us right now. He's on too much of a heater. I'm going to give the Steelers the nod against a backup Ravens team in a must-win mm-hmm. game. Okay, Shane, I'm going to go reverse order and build up the suspense here. I think the Steelers gotcha. win against the Ravens this week. They beat their backups. They take care of business. I don't think yeah. it's as convincing uh, of an offense. As you would like. As you would like. But I think it's you would like going, into the, yeah. going potentially into the playoffs. But then I think as we get around, Sunday rolls around. We're watching the Jags-Titans game, 1 o'clock. I think Jags come away with the wind. I think okay. that I, I think that they showed their defense. It stepped it, really stepped it up last week. I think whether it's uh, Bethard or, or – or, uh, Lawrence comes back. I think I think that he's on track to, and so yeah. I have Jags winning that one. We get into the night game, and I feel fans are biting their nails, and the Bills beat the Dolphins, and it all comes down to this. And, and our dreams are shattered. We're all disappointed uh, because we have literally seen this scenario yeah. play out where the Steelers needed the things to go right in the last week. They finally did what they finally took care of business on there and the things that they needed to do and they couldn't get the help they needed. That's my fear this week. I can see the games playing out as such. I do think that there's a solid chance and, and uh, NFL.com has it as a 29% chance for the Steelers to make the playoffs. I would probably put it even higher than that. I would probably go like a 40% chance. I still think at the end of the day, uh, Jacksonville is the better team than the Titans. The Titans don't have much to play for. And then the Bills could there there's there's a chance the bills could be eliminated uh at that point they can flop out of there entirely and so they're going to need that game more than the dolphins do so i think that's my guess of how things play out i'd love to hear what you guys have to say please put it mm-hmm. uh in the comment section down below we do need to sign off uh for today though so please join us every week uh at 1 30 typically we're on here we had to start a little bit early today yeah. i'm gonna go hop on a meeting um you can join us live every 1.30 uh, on Wednesday afternoons, Eastern time. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show today. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks for listening again to the Still Curtain podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.